Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Briar Moss can curse in five different languages. We mostly curse in English, so if you're listening around English speakers, you may want to make sure they're okay with curses. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. I'm Brittany. And I'm Goodwin. And today we are recapping street magic. So grab your cup of coffee. Or tea. Or your drink of choice. And let's reap what we sow. This is a recap episode, so things are going to run a little differently. We're just going to dive right in. You know what the book's about. We just finished it. Street Magic, what's your biggest takeaway? Don't fuck with Briar. He'll turn into an <laughs> anime villain and fuck your shit up. My, my takeaway is uh, I'm glad he's on our side. Yes. <laughs> I was really struck with just how real this book is. They've all been very real. And obviously, when we read Briar's book, that one was super real. There's like a sort of gritty, not nice realism that I feel like was in this book that is not necessarily found in the others. The stuff that comes up about gangs, this is one of those things that I never dealt with as a kid because I didn't live in a big city. But this is for realsies. Similar to Briar's book, the stuff that happens in this actually happens. The realness of it really hit home with me, this read. I was going to say that uh, what I learned is you can make your own gang if you're rich enough and pit children against each other and then not face the repercussions by killing yourself. Mm -hmm. We all have different takeaways here. (laughs) I was going to say, it's a takeaway to not become rich or otherwise that's an inevitability. Well, I mean, there's a way around (laughs) the richness because I'm not rich. 
but I have two kids so far. I just got to keep do. having kids. I got to just keep having kids. Yeah. You're balling on a budget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That you're, is you're, you're building a gang on a budget. Quote. That's that's no. I, I do kind of want to expand on yours, Molly, a little bit. The police are useless. Yep. The rich get away with shit just because they're rich. Yep. Yep. So much shit to get away with: kidnapping a kid, pitting kids to fight against each other for no reason other than to make her self-esteem a little better, I guess. For right? her amusement. Yeah, for she's her, her amusement because yeah. she's bored. She loves the drama. I love the drama too, but you don't see me pitting kids against each other and causing a gang war and then killing myself because I don't want to face the repercussions. She just she doesn't have any soap operas. There's no good reality shows on TV, so she's gonna make her own. Yeah, that's what you do, right? <laughs> You don't like read a book. Oh, she does have a heart hobby. It's gardening. <laughs> yeah. Hobby. <laughs> oh. When you look at Christian fantasy, like fantasy written by Christian authors, which is what we really think of when we think fantasy, it's our prototypical fantasy. Because think Harry Potter, The Lord of the Rings, The Chronicles of Narnia. We often have this big bad guy who represents all evil in the world and gets defeated by by the like shiny polished good guy who represents just sheer goodness and so evil gets crushed and everybody lives happily ever after jewish fantasy the jewish fantasy i've read this is very different either there is one villain who doesn't represent all the evil in the world, like say Count Olaf in a series of unfortunate events, or there is something that epitomizes evil, but is not a single person. Like the world we knew by Alice Hoffman takes place during World War II. So the villainy in it is the Nazis, which I feel like there's a strong argument to be made that they epitomize evil, but obviously they don't just get destroyed at the end. And so there's kind of this theme of there is always evil in the world. There are always bad things, but you just keep trying. You just keep fighting. And I have my own thoughts on how Pierce specifically fits into this spectrum of what fantasy looks like when written from different religions. But I feel like this book kind of emphasizes that sort of idea. Because this is the first time in this series that I feel we've gone up against like evil. We've faced down Enahar and the Dehaners and they were villains, but I wouldn't call them evil. They all had a driving force and a reason for it. Whether that reason was justified or not, there were reasons for their action. One lost their sister, one was looking for revenge. This one is just doing it because it's fucking fun. Yeah. That that's that's that is true evil to me. It's just causing pain and suffering just because hey, I can. What makes you wake up in the morning and decide to be a bad person? Like I just I don't understand. Just that irredeemable evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Dehaners are terrible people, but you're not going to compare them to, say, Voldemort or Sauron. No. Lady Zanadia is a much better comparison to either of those. She's a microcosm, right? Yeah. Sauron affects all of Middle Earth. She's only affecting one city, but she has that level of atrocity 
to her. In the discussion that we had the last episode and what we've talked about so far, I just, I feel like there is this sort of message here of there, there is some pretty terrible shit out there and you can't fix all of it. We mentioned very briefly in the last episode that the gang wars are still going to be going on. There's still going to be some really awful things going on in that city. Things aren't fixed. Things aren't hunky-dory, but that's a battle that's still worth fighting. I'm in full agreement there of you have to pick your battles and you have to know what is changeable and what isn't because some people you can't redeem and some things you can't redeem. There's just no way to do it. And you have to kind of figure out what that line is. I am the best and worst of humanity. The same atoms that were Gandhi and Jesus Christ reside in me, but so do the same ones that embodied Hitler. Everybody has the capability of being just absolutely wretched and terrible. And then other, like, and we also have the ability to do such wonderful and good things and change the world. My, I think more of my takeaway is what you choose to do with that power. You have the power to change the world. I, I, I am a believer that it doesn't matter how small or insignificant you think you are. You have the ability to change the world. Whether it's something like Cryer, who took down this very evil woman in order to lessen the bad in the city, or you know something minor like also he they took in Evie, changed Evie's life, made her life better. It can be just as simple as smiling at someone and like they have a bad day and you smile at them and like things change. You have the capability of leaving this world better than you found it, but you also have the ability to make it much, much worse. You kind of got to figure out where you fall on that scale, because I'm a firm believer of humanity as a whole is mostly good. I think that most people want to be good, and even like the people that we deem villainous, sometimes they're doing it from a place where they think that they're right and they're justified. That's not always the case, but we are the heroes and villains of our own story. I would actually argue we we talked previously of the police what was their purpose in this book whether or not it was worth her writing them in and I feel like I'd argue now that their purpose is to be the foil to Briar they're like okay do you have any dirt on Lady Zanadia because we're trying to take her down it's like well she started a gang war and they're like ah we don't care about that because there's always been gangs and there always will be Briar knows that Briar knows that he can't solve the gang war but he still takes an Evie he still convinces Mai to go to leave the vipers and find a life outside of the gangs and so i feel like there's a contrast there with you have this option of evil's always going to be there so there's not so it's not worth fighting or saying like well i'm gonna still try and do my piece well if you decide to be complacent or not complacency is the killer of many men That brings us to question two. What would you change if you could change something about this book? Ladies and getting not dying the way she does. I want to see her suffer more than she does. Because, yeah, she got spat on, but she was already dead. So she don't get to feel that. I had a feeling that somebody was going to say that. I yeah, absolutely... I was looking at Brittany for that. <laughs> 
I actually feel really glad we didn't watch her suffer. This is kind of something that's that's come through the discussion of her death that I've sort of come to a conclusion about that I I like it because it sort of takes away vengeance from the reader. She doesn't give us the option of feeling that sense of like righteous justice, but I think it's not necessary. The issue's been taken care of, right? Like she's gone, she's no longer hurting people, and that's the that's the big that's the big thing. Is it really necessary that she suffer or whatever? Yes, that's very necessary. <laughs> I don't feel like it is. <laughs> I do. Someone once made the comment, and this is going to uh, further state my feelings on the police. They're not there to protect people. You have someone who walked up and shot someone else. Their job, everything that they do, can't fix that. You get robbed. Guess what? They're going to go try and find the person who did it if they decide to, but you're not going to get your stuff back. You're not going to get your sense of safety of your own home. They're not there to protect you and make your life better because people who want to do bad things or people who are put in a position in which that's the only way they can survive. They're not there to prevent it. They're there to basically bring about punishment and that's it. Look, look at the prison system today. It's not about rehabilitating these people. It, it's about free labor and making yeah. examples of people. But there's no sense of justice in that. It's just quite literally, oh, we caught the person who did it. It doesn't change anything and it doesn't fix anything and it doesn't get what was taken back. And I genuinely feel like this ending kind of proves a point here in that because yeah nothing stops but everything changes at the same time i just feel like vengeance can be a real slippery slope and so i guess i kind of like the fact that in a sense pierce sort of kept us from that what i would change because i had no idea what i would change i was like i'm pretty satisfied with this book as a whole so i wrote lol evie going through puberty (laughs) (laughs) because that would be amazing you could have her like dealing with her period and being like really embarrassed to talk to briar about it possibly having no idea like what it is or what's going on since she's not had a mom figure in her life and then briar's just like oh i know all about that i got you I have three sisters. This is not embarrassing. We will get you the Tortal version of sanitary napkins. You're going to be fine. I honestly don't quite know what I would change, to be honest, because I feel like everything that happened needed to happen. Even Briar's wrath that he has. Like, I wouldn't change any of that. Am I sad that he has nightmares? Yes. But at the same time is what he keeps seeing in them is a reminder of what could be. I feel like we we see a lot of character growth in Briar even through all of this. He, he doesn't set out with the first and foremost thoughts in the beginning to just completely obliterate this person. But when he gets steadily more and more into it and figuring out what all she's done, it's the idea of I can stop this and I will one way or the other. And I I just, I don't, I don't quite know what I would change. I do genuinely like kind of how everything shakes out in the end. Hold on. I wish the police were a little bit more useful, but that is both in the book and in real life.
Yep. <laughs> I can't change it in the book, and I can't change it in real life. But it would be nice if it could be changed. Yes. Cause <sighs> the police. Fuck the police. End them. Sorry. Destroy the police. Defund <laughs> <laughs> the police. Like, I, I have firm belief in this. I, I am very like pro abolish the police system because it's corrupt. It doesn't matter if you're a good cop or not. The only good cop has a pink slip. I'm gonna get and off when- that. But what would I like to change? Uh, I feel like I, I I do this every time, but there's always something that I feel should have been changed when I initially read it, and then like looking back at it at the very end, I kind of see like Tamra Pierce had a point and a reason to not do this so it's fine that's how i felt about you know ladies and audio i was upset at first that she just dies and there's no justice in her dying for all the people that she killed but that's kind of just how real life is too justice doesn't really exist sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't the legal system rarely if ever gets it right and so sometimes bad people just get away with stuff and that's it there's nothing you can do about it you know what i want to change about this book speaking of justice i think if we really wanted to see justice it would have been nice to see the reburial of the bodies. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. I'm also, now that I have the opportunity, going to mention something that I would change about magic steps, which is that I would have shown Sandry with her damn medallion. Yes. Uh, yeah. I couldn't say that in the in the last book because I was still waiting for the stupid medallion to appear. <laughs> They are mages, guys. They're full-fledged mages. They have medallions. You know what? There was one, also one little thing, totally insignificant, didn't even matter, but I thought it was going to lead to something important, and it didn't. Evie brings one rock with her when she gets kidnapped. I think it was like hematite or something. Oh, uh uh-huh. Chapter 11 or 12, right when she gets kidnapped, that rock has something to do with like blood or something hematite damn i wish i had written this one down but i don't i, I was gonna mention it during that chapter and then i didn't mention it because it didn't actually come up later because she's been like studying it right yeah that was like the last rock she was studying and then she like grabbed it from the pack when she was getting like drugged or whatever and i thought it was gonna come up at some point and it never did but yeah that's like been... just a tiny little thing that i barely remembered was a thing that would have been cool So what do you want to know about more about or what do you want to what do you hope to see in future books? Personally, I'd love to see how the Harrier mages get on back here in this in in, in this town. Jebelu getting his ass chewed out for being a fucking asshole and you know. That's another thing I wanted to change. I wanted to see Rose. I was about to say I I ass. That that is something I would have changed. I would have loved to have seen Rose Thorne just eat this man alive. Yes. That's another thing I would want to change. I want to see it. You can't put the fear of God into somebody, but you can put the fear of Rose Thorn into them. Yes. <laughs> I want to start using that phrase. I'm going to put the fear of Rose Thorn into you. And yeah. people will be like, the fuck are you mean? Fuck. <laughs> You're lucky you don't know. I think something I would like to know about more about, and Molly mentioned it just very briefly. I would to know how they go about contending with the dead. Mm-hmm. Because some of these people are so far beyond decay that they don't know who they are. And I, I highly doubt that they have some kind of like dental records 
or anything like this to go, okay, this is who this person was. They may have some sort of magical assistance with that kind of thing. This is true. But like, but then I you think, need somebody who's willing to, to take that duty on. Yeah. I, I think that that is one of those things that kind of upsets me about the end of the book. Not, not, and I know this is stupid, but I'm a firm believer that being forgotten is one of the worst things that can happen to a person. They say you die twice once when you die physically and then the last time someone remembers your name when that movie coco when when your name has been forgotten and who you are has been forgotten that is a true death as well i hate the idea that these people because a lot of them were just kids found on the street these people will never be remembered and i don't i would i would like to see what they did for these people that would be nice we talked about the realism of this book it makes me wonder like what kind of things we can do for people like that in our own world i haven't done it when i was living out at the other house there was a small cemetery that it's obvious that no one had gone there in probably at least 40 years if not longer just going through and picking up the weeds and placing flowers and being like I don't know you but I'll remember your name this probably goes back to I grew up on family land and we had a family cemetery and that's where I would play I would go hang out with dead relatives I never met and that sounds so morbid and so weird saying it aloud, but there's just something about that memory of me growing up in basically playing in that cemetery my entire childhood that I think that that should be more of a thing. People forget that certain cemeteries exist and when someone's dead, they're, they're gone and we can remember them in our hearts, but we don't have to deal with anything else. I kind of should get back on that, but hours and work and money exist. I want to know if Lady Zanadia killed her husbands. I do too. I think she did. I, I really think she did. I, I also think so. she did. She seems the type. Maybe that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Lady Zanadia backstory. <laughs> she gets bored with them and kills them. Eventually she got bored of killing her husband so she had to expand it. Gang okay, hold on. Here we go. I got this. I got this. Let me let me uh <clears throat> storyteller voice here. So in a heated fit, she kills her first husband by accident and buries him in the garden and nothing happens. There's no repercussions. Nobody realizes that everybody thinks he's, he's left on like a business trip and just never come home, never comes home. So she sits on it and she sits on it. Then a few years later, she gets married again. So this is going to be completely different from the last time. They're going to be great. Everything's going to be kosher. And then it happens by accident. But the rush that she gets from killing this man is just, there's nothing higher than this. This is like the ultimate pinnacle of high. And then people decide, like, people kind of get standoffish and are like, oh, well, something keeps happening to her husbands. Like, let's, let's not, like, everybody is kind of stopped deciding to court her because first husband died at sea and the second husband had a tragic accident or had a heart attack or something of the like and so she kills one of the servants in her house and that's an ultimate high. like that's that that high is back but it's not as great and it just builds and builds and builds until she starts murdering children because she needs that high of murder there you go that's the backstory got it laid it out for you you're welcome (laughs) 
Sheesh. That went Anything. places that probably shouldn't have gone. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I felt like it sounded really accurate. I was just like, yeah, that's that's kind of how these things happen. I figured, yeah, like that first one, first one, you know, total accident, but get away with it. There's there's a high there in murdering somebody and ending their life, and then you get away with it. It's like, hmm, probably do this again and not have any repercussions. Let's see how far I can take this. Addiction yeah. is a terrible thing. It makes you kill children. Don't get addicted to things. <laughs> That's right, Brittany. <laughs> No more meth milk for you. No, it's meth milk for Malia. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This next question is for me and Indy. How was reading this book different 
this time around. Seeing as I got to relive one of the most vivid memories I have of this book, the wrath of Briar in the garden. It's one of those scenes I've remembered this my entire time after reading this. That was so vivid and impactful that I was like, holy shit, that was a thing. So when I was younger, this, this book hit like a petty, spiteful vengeance and it sparked that in me. <laughs> ah, now we know where it came from. Yeah. This is kind of the book that started all of that that petty vengeance bullshit. Petty and spite. Petty, petty spite. But reading it now, my takeaway is more of everybody is capable of doing this shit. Anybody is capable of doing this shit. Again, as I've gotten older, I've realized the injustice that exists in our world a lot of the time. And it just reinforced the eat the rich phrase in my heart. So yeah, no, the first time I read it was very like, hell yeah, Briar, Briar kicks ass and he's fucking awesome. And he stopped the big bad person. And now I'm like, justice is a man-made construct. We need to eat the rich. So there's a very big difference. (laughs) That's really interesting because for me, there wasn't anything that really struck me as particularly different. I noticed the foreshadowing a lot more, obviously. As you know, there was at least one chapter where I was like, my theme is foreshadowing. It's just a lot of foreshadowing. There's a lot of foreshadowing. Um, So the, the, I guess I was, I was struck by how tight the writing is. I had a better appreciation of how tight the writing is. I also, now that I'm a teacher, I could really appreciate Briar's pedagogy. I was like, Briar's a really good teacher. I was impressed by the, the things that he does in teaching Evie, which I think is hilarious because he doesn't think that he'll be a good teacher. He's, he keeps insisting like, no, I'm not going to be a good teacher. I'm not going to be a good teacher. But he's actually a really good teacher. He did kind of learn and pick up from Triss. I think more than anybody. And like, while Trish doesn't have a lot of patience, what she does have is a lot of knowledge. Yeah. And I think that she wants to share that knowledge. This is why I think Trish would be a good teacher. There's so much knowledge that she has and she would want to share. And like, she might not like people, but you know. She She can appreciate intellectual pursuits. Yes, in fact. I also discovered I don't like Rose Thorne as much because she seems a little bit classist and prejudiced herself. It's something that I never really pulled out of the text before, but I've seen it now. But that's okay. And quite frankly, it it makes for better writing because she's a more full character this way. I was going to say it does make her a little less, because Briar sees (laughs) her as perfect. Yeah. And there's nothing that she can do that will make him think any less of that. Right. And we as readers, I like how realistic the people are in this because everybody has that little bit of bad in them. With the first books, we don't really see the bad. We see her temper. Have we seen any bad from Lark? Because she's pretty... But yeah, we we see her temper, but we don't really see anything that makes her fallible. And I feel like that is a good way to make her less perfect in our eyes, like as readers, because Briar will always be prejudiced. That is his teacher and she is perfect and she can do no wrong. He quite literally brought her back from the land of the dead because he loves her and thinks she's like perfect. He just needs his mommy. Exactly.
this is my favorite part of this episode. This is when I give Goodwin and Brittany three words to describe the next book, and they get to try and predict what's going to happen. Your three words for cold fire are cooking, carpentry, and arson. Mm, I like that last one. The last one is my favorite. I, I dickered on whether or not I wanted to use that one and then uh, went for it. And this is Triss's book, right? This is Daja. Triss. Daja. Daja. Here's the cover. Mm, Daja. Oh, she do be lighting that building on fire. Mm, cooking, carpentry, arson. And it involves Daja. I'm so <laughs> excited to see Frostpine again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right? Oh my god, I am too. That is <laughs> your takeaway. I love it. Uh, yeah i love that big burly man i i am also looking forward to seeing frost pine and indy knows what i mean yes yes i do i'm so stoked i can't i am i am excited about seeing so much of frost pine so stoked that sounds kind of odd he's not gonna get (laughs) naked is he he's gonna finally become a dancing girl Well, you know, he might become an ice dancer because Daja is on ice skates on the cover. Yeah. Or maybe he'll become a cook. He's going to be the new Gorse. <laughs> He's going to be, we need a new Gorse. I'm sad. No no more Gorse. He wasn't even in Sandry's, the magic steps. I know. I was going to say there. that there is the word cooking there. So, but they're not who there. knows? Unless Who Gorse knows? went with them. Maybe Gorse Who went knows? with them. Gorse went with them. He's doing the cooking. Carpentry and arson. <laughs> he gets mad at Frost Pine and he sets fire to everything. And uh, they have to rebuild everything with carpentry. This is actually a really like cute story. I'm down. Yeah, I'm for this. I know that's not the case. Gorse is done for, I'm sure. No more Gorse. You make it sound like he's dead. Rip in peace, Gorse. Will, he will be missed. He will be. He's my favorite. Now he's gone. God, my brain just went super dark. Pop the pox. Oh. Oh. Ooh, don't no. say that. God damn it. Indy, no. I told you my brain how went dare real you dark. Put this, how dare you put I, this out into the world? You are I, no longer in the podcast. <laughs> I have been I, demoted. I blame Brittany and Goodwin for talking about him as if he was dead in the first place. I blame the Pox for taking him so young. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a tragedy. If only they had locked the cure sooner. Damn. And so, he didn't even get mentioned in the dead list. How how cruel is that? Right? <laughs> Cooking carpentry arson. Fuck, this is harder than all the other ones so far. And Molly and I are just like, yeah, these were pretty obvious. And like... <laughs> weren't like as great and then like now Brittany's like uh she deals with fire again like she dealt with fire in her book and now she's gotta deal with fire again this girl just can't catch a break with fire maybe she'll body slam the fire again I think that someone's gonna do an accidental arson right you know just a little bit of accidental arson and then to make you know, uh, lemonade out of lemons. They're going to start cooking over it. Get a little cook fire going on top of the burnt buildings. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta, you, listen, you work with what you got, okay? <laughs> I know. They're going to use the food that they cooked and use that as uh, building materials to rebuild the burned down homes. 
So kind of like uh, Cloudy with a Chance meatballs. Yes. <laughs> That's my prediction. Support beams. I, I, you know, enough I, bacon. I, I think this this book is just going to be cloudy with a chance of meatballs. I was going <laughs> to say, like, we have not yet claimed, figured out what Disney movie it's going to be. Um, I don't think cloudy with a chance of meatballs is Disney, but close enough. No. So mine, I'm going to find a few movies here. Okay, so arson. The last one is sometimes usually a pet. So, like, how's Moving Castle? They have, like that little fire guy, Calcifer. Right? Yeah, so that's the Calcifer. He accidentally uh, burns place down, and uh, so so they so use their carpentry skills to rebuild everything because the pet so destroyed everything. You're positing that Daja is going to get a pet that is a like sentient fire. Yes. Okay, Sick just making fuck. sure. Fuck yeah. <laughs> that would be great. That's awesome. And then, and then I'm excited be, for this I'm, book. I can't I'm gonna wait. Bring in, I'm going to bring in Tangled, where they use the frying pan <laughs> as a weapon. Um, the frying pan is also going to be their weapon of choice in this. And they can also use it for weapons and cooking. Why do they need the weapon? What do they need to weapon themselves, arm themselves against? Um, people are upset, obviously, about the arson. So they got to protect themselves against it. Oh, so there's going to be like a mob situation here. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. A little accidental arson that turns into... Well, a little accidental arson between friends. Exactly. I think that frying pan is going to be used to transport her new sentient fire friend. That could work. And then your pan's preheated whenever you need it. Yes! Yes! Oh God, and make perfect. the bacon for sport beams when they rebuild the house. <laughs> it's so yes. obvious. It was right in front of us the whole time. There you go. I told, See, you, I I told you they were we too said obvious. These words are obvious. Yeah. yeah. It's so clear now. My eyes are open. <laughs> I'm super excited. So since this is our recap episode, we're going to end with an excerpt from chapter one of Cold Fire. Yay. Cold Fire, chapter one. In the city of Kugisco in Namorn. Niamara Bankanor, 12, and sometimes too helpful in Daja Kisubo's opinion, gripped Daja's left hand and elbow. They stood on, et- they stood on one edge of a broad circle of ice where the Bankanors docked their household boats in the summer. Now, in the month of Snow Moon, eight weeks before the solstice holiday called Long Night, it was a place to skate, with benches and heaped banks of snow at the sides to protect those less able to stop than experts like Nia. For all her 14 years, Daja was as much a beginner at this as any three-year-old. She wouldn't have agreed to these lessons, wanting to protect her dignity, but after three weeks of watching the Namornese zip up and down the city's frozen canals, she had realized it was time to learn how to skate, dignity or no. Are you ready? Asked Nia. The cold air made dark roses bloom on her creamy brown cheeks and lent extra sparkle to her brown eyes. Daja took a deep breath. Not really, she said with resignation. Let's go. One, counted Nia. Two, three. On three, Nia and Daja thrust with their left legs against ice smoothed each night by convict crews who performed that service for the entire city. Daja glided forward, knees wobbling, ankles wobbling, belly wobbling. Right, push, cried Nia, gripping Daja's arm. Two right skates thrust against the ice. Left and right, left and right, they maneuvered across the length of the boat basin. Daja fought to stay upright. She knew her body was set wrong. While she didn't skate, years of training in staff combat told her that she was not at all centered. It was like trying to balance on a pair of knife blades. 
who thought of this mad form of travel in the first place? And why had no one locked them up before they passed their dangerous ideas on to others? She didn't want to think of the picture she made, though she bet it was hilarious. Five feet, eight inches tall, she towered over Nia by four inches. Where Nia was slender, Daja was big-shouldered and blocky, muscled from years of work as a metalsmith. She was, much, she was a much darker brown than Nia and the other Bankanor children, whose mother was light brown and whose father was white. Daja's face and mouth were broad. Her large brown eyes, when she was not trying to learn to skate, were steady. She wore her springy black hair in a multitude of long, thin braids. Today, she had pulled them into a horsetail tied with an orange scarf. She wore no fur-lined hat as Nia did, because she had her own way to keep her head warm. Her clothes were in the style worn by Namorni's men, a long-skirted coat of heavy wool over, over a slightly shorter indoor coat, a full-sleeved and high-collared shirt, baggy trousers, and calf-high boots to which the skates were strapped. See, this isn't so bad, Nia said as they reached the entrance of the boat basin. Soon it will be as easy as breathing. Now turn, she swept Daja around until they faced the stair to the rear courtyard across the small basin. Ready, left, push, Nia coaxed. Daja obeyed. Left, right, left, right. They slowly made their way across the ice. Servants coming and going from the house and outbuildings watched and hid grins. Like Nia, they had spent their lives here on the southeastern edge of the Sith. For those who could not afford horses and sleighs in winter, ice skates were necessary. They were a quick way around a city sprawled over various islands in waters that were frozen solid from mid-blood moon to late seed moon. By the time Nia turned Daja again, the older girl was starting to get the idea. The trick was to rock as she stroked, using alternate legs to push. If she brought her legs together, sooner or later she would stop moving. Skates, when not in motion, had an ugly tendency to make the wearer fall over. Nia guided her back to the end of the boat basin, where it passed under a street bridge to enter the canal beyond. Without stopping, she moved Daja onto a course that circled the ice instead of having it. Three times they went around, Daja feeling stronger and more confident with each turn. It was not so different from being aboard a ship in a cold way. She enjoyed it so much that she didn't realize that Nia had let go of her. She skated two yards alone before she noticed. Then she made the mistake of looking for her partner. Her knees and ankles wobbled. She frantically tried to recapture the rhythm, managing three strokes of the, of the skates before her feet hit the basin's edge. Daja went face first into heaped snow. He's something Daja's bad at. <laughs> Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like the show, tell your friends about us. If you don't like the show, tell your enemies. <laughs> Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or tell us what you think by emailing us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com. Find all of our episodes at readingcircletemple.com and find more sound clips by following the Reading Circle Temple on SoundCloud. Never miss a post by following Reading Circle on Tumblr. You can also follow Reading Circle Temple on Facebook and join the Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. See our cats by following Reading Circle Temple on Instagram. Or you can tweet at us at Reading Temple. A special thanks to Yellow is for Happy for our artwork. If you like their art, follow Yellows for Happy Draws on Tumblr and Shannon and Draws on Instagram. Another special thanks to Brittany's brother, Thomas Dick, for our music. Find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic, and thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. Damn it, stop changing my words. Autocorrect is trying to change what my words are.
You don't know anything about this book. This book has nothing to do. This book has nothing to do with carpet art. Whatever that is. (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.